Alright, now it is time for Jeffrey Cantor, man. You could have seen him on Daredevil, Punisher, freaking the new Maniac series that's on Netflix. He's basically taking over Netflix. He is basically taking a house of cards. He's be- Yeah, Netflix loves him. He yeah. has movies, television, theater. I mean, this guy does it all. And he teaches. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is going to be a good one. Oh, there he is. Hello? Hey, this is Jeffrey Cantor. Hey, Jeffrey. How hey. are you, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? Oh, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. First, let me say thank you for joining us today and taking yes. the time to chat with us. We're pretty excited about it. It's my pleasure. And uh, you're speaking with myself and Logan today. So just to give Hello, you a heads Logan. up. What's up? <laughs> How's the weather in New York right now? It's nasty. Oh, oh no. <laughs> i say, you know, high 40s, rain on and off. Mm. Sun's coming out a little bit. Where are you guys? Oh, down in South Mississippi, just outside New Orleans. So yeah. I'd take uh, the 40s. I'm from New York, so I would take the 40s because yeah. it's like 90 here. Yeah, exactly. Which... <laughs> Wait, <laughs> but, uh... it's 90 now? Oh, yeah. We, we it, don't it's see pretty intense. winter, really. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I mean, I've, been, I've spent some time in uh, New Orleans, but I I, um, I thought come October, you know, it was down like in the 70s. Yeah, no, we're, we're still pushing the 80s and 90s yeah. and, and real humid. <sighs> we're, we're hoping soon we yeah. get 70s. Current temperature, 85 degrees. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah. But 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 you have the French Quarter. So this is who true. Really, this who is really true. cares what the temperature is. Exactly. <laughs> You're it's right. always hot. <laughs> yeah, I like him already. Already. <laughs> like him already. Awesome. Well, first, let me let me just say that it's kind of not your standard Q&A. It's just kind of more of a sit around the table kind of discussion and have a conversation type interview. Yeah. So, um, That's fine. yeah, we just have to sit back and have a lot of fun. So what we'd like to do first is kind of start out and introduce you to our listeners and kind of give a background about how you got started in the industry. And uh, was it something you always wanted to do or is it something you kind of fell into or so how did that come about? I mean, I know researching you a little bit i know that your parents your dad uh enjoyed theater your mom was a painter if i'm correct so you kind of were yes, around the arts. yeah i mean you know when you're when you're brought up as a young jewish person in the northeast and you're close to new york city um you, you go i mean i saw theater you know we would go see theater my dad did community theater at a very high level but we also all we, we sang you know we we did um uh, I was in the chorus at school, so it was it was always sort of part of the cultural my cultural understanding of the world. Right, was theater and music, um, and uh, awesome. when I was in um, at summer camp, I uh, actually wrote <laughs> and directed and starred in an adaptation of um, the Time Machine. Do you remember that movie? Oh yeah, H.G. Wells. Sixties. Yeah, I I, I even remember who's in it, but it was it was kind of spectacular and i remember seeing it at summer camp and so i i made my own version of it and um it, it, the, the idea of storytelling as an active event was uh was i guess part of my dna yeah and um then you know but th- i was not a professional child actor in grade school i did i did some plays i did plays up at the high school when i was in grade school because i could sing then when i was in um middle school and high school i did community theater as well as the school plays and then when I was in college, I did some plays at school, but also I did summer stock up in Weston, uh, Vermont. Awesome. And um, it was when I was, I, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Um, again, apropos my, uh, my young Jewish upbringing. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, uh, in, instead, I, I, I realized that I really loved being an actor. I loved, I guess, the, the fully integrated experience 
that acting offered up, right? It was, it was my, my brain, my emotions, my, my physicality, everything was brought to bear on that experience every time. And that's pretty transcendent, right? There aren't a lot of things that offer that up. No. Um, Yeah. And and so, um, I was doing, uh, I did West Side Story and this tremendous teacher, one of the leading dramaturgs in the country, a guy named Len Berkman, who uh, is still up in the Amherst area. He was head of the drama department at Smith. He saw me in the play, and he wrote me a, a couple-page letter, handwritten, uh, oh, about my work, um, sort of in terms that I hadn't really considered, you know, sophisticated, nuanced um, vision of the work I was doing. And, oh, yeah. and I realized that, that this is something I was not bad at. Like, I didn't suck. Right, right. That was right. Sort of, the bar, the bar was pretty low for me. But I didn't <laughs> suck, um, and I had, and it was very, very um, fulfilling to do uh, West Side Story at, at, at Amherst. And so, I, I, you know, I was doing summer stock, and I made the decision to become a drama major. Um, there was no pre-law anyway, so it didn't really matter what I majored in. Right. But then I went to the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center um, for my junior year at Amherst. And one of the teachers there is a guy was a guy named um, Mars Karnowski. Mars Karnowski had been with the group theater, and and he and Meisner and and um, H. B. and uh, Udagin. I mean, Lee Strasberg. I mean, they 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 all knew each other. They were all part of this experience that they're sort of drew from um, Stanislavski, and um, he was probably one of our best actors ever he is he's most known for his version of shylock and i was taking like six to nine hours of class with him a week oh, and wow. it was it was transformative right um the, this class in the national theater institute is part of the eugene o'neill theater center and it's a uh, ten and a half hours of class a day six days a week six hours of class on sundays one day off it's like this boot camp and i relished it i, I didn't find it anything other than exhilarating. And, and that was a, sort of a good litmus test um, that I could at least handle the rigors Absolutely. of what, what the job would entail. And then went to drama school in England um, at the Central School, uh, which is now the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in Swiss Cottage. And um, then I thought I was going to take the world by storm. I had a TV <laughs> job right out of drama school. I came back to the United States. I, I, I couldn't get arrested. And so I was a social worker for three years. <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah, yeah. And then um, then things started happening slowly. I had, you know, my day jobs ranged from social work to moving boxes to doing data entry. Right. Um, and uh, it's progressed very slowly, pretty nicely, but very slowly. And so now this is what I get to do. And it's pretty spectacular. Well, so that's that's the story. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I'll just tell you, just hearing you talk about it, you can hear the passion for it in your voice. Yeah. Just describing it and kind of going through what you went through to get to where you're at, you can just hear how much you enjoy it, which is really oh, nice. I, I do. It's it's really my favorite thing to do. Uh, I, I, you know, my my wife might might argue the point, but she would not deny the fact that I would rather be working than pretty much doing anything else. 
Yeah. Yes. Well, that's awesome. I mean, honestly, and like you said, it has progressed extremely nicely. I mean, your list of credits, television, film, theater. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, it's just so broad. I mean, you've played all different kinds of characters, yeah, all different seriously. types of films and television shows. Um, I mean, it's a pretty extensive resume, honestly. Thank you. Um, Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's impressive. I got I got to tell you, I think and correct me if I'm wrong. You may be one of the only people that I'm aware of that's actually been on all four Law and Order series. I, I don't know that that's untrue, actually. I, I think uh, a lot of people have the trifecta. But right. I, 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 you know, trial by jury didn't last all that long. Exactly. And I, I think I think that, I don't know if that is my claim to fame, but I certainly, I, I'm honored. I'm honored. The other thing is, of course, and, and there's a few shows that I've done where I thought, this is it. Right. This is the ticket. Right. And so Law and Order Trial by Jury, I had a really nice part. It was a recur from a Law and Order um, criminal intent, right. Ronald Harding. And so it was the same lawyer. And I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this is me. I've got a bunch of scenes. I'm working with Michael Coulter, yeah, right. Dominic. And, you know, I'm working with Dom Lom. I'm working with like two really good actors who now have like these amazing careers. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm, I did it! Yay! Not so much. Yeah. Not yeah. So much. Well, I, I so can't blame. I mean, and you're thinking like every Law and Order series has gone on for years. Exactly. So this hit, you know, and so right. who knew, yeah. right? Not so much. Well, and it would have. I, to be honest, it's not the show's fault. You know, uh, Jerry Orbach, may he rest in peace. Yes. Um, yes. Was already sick. Yep. And this was a way of an, allowing him to continue his work. Um, on his own schedule, and um, unfortunately, he didn't last. You know, yeah, he, just, yeah. he didn't last, and it's terribly sad. He was such a great actor, and and a really nice guy. I'd met him a couple of times, but his passing really sort of made the show go under. I, I actually liked I liked the structure of it. I actually preferred the structure of that show in some ways because it it slowed the pace down, and it wasn't quite so formulaic, and and there was conversations between lawyers. It was a much more complex structure i think yeah and uh i was really happy to be part of it i mean the cast is so great that's and a great description it, of it i'm yeah, a huge seriously. fan of all the law and order shows and i think that's a brilliant description of a trial by jury i i would agree with you wholeheartedly and agreed rest in peace for jerry i mean it, it i i think you're right i think that is why the series didn't go on it and, and and yeah it's it was a loss and but it appears on netflix certainly loves you yeah as well. i know i'm in four what now I've been in four Netflix shows. Is that uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's not bad. That said, Netflix has how many shows? <laughs> yeah. Something I mean. of their own shows that they're it's, doing. It's true. So my, it's not like I have, a, I'm not like in a huge percentage of Netflix shows. I, I am in four very popular shows. Yeah, sure. definitely. Yes, that's definitely. for sure. Okay. So let's talk about that. First of all, huge uh -huh. congratulations on Daredevil this yes, season. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, by far season three. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't even know. Where yeah. <laughs> like, season three. So Epic. fantastic. Um, oh <laughs> yeah. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, both television and film, just amazing. So let's talk about that a little bit. What's it like to be involved in that type of a universe where it's got so much going on and so much complexity with yeah, the way it's all linked together? Well, that's, you know, that's a, it's a good but also complex question. So there's so many levels, right? Right. As an actor in New York, the fact that all of these things are shooting here mm -hmm. is just spectacular. I, yeah. Uh, there's um, the relationship that the business has with its talent is getting much, much more complex because there's more work than ever before. And there really is. And there's certainly more work, you know, with all the law and orders closing down with the exception of the one, you know, that was really the bread and butter for a lot of us. And, and now there's all the Marvel shows are being done here, but also a lot of 
non-comedies mm-hmm. are being done here. Maniac was shot here too. So that's a huge boon. Um, and, and I have been a happy beneficiary of, of that dynamic. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I auditioned, you know, it was another job. I wasn't thinking that my part, you know, I'm, I wasn't Ben Urich. I, I right. did not think my part was does, is not included in any of the comic books. I didn't have to worry about honoring anything, but also I, I wasn't given any indication that, you know, it, I thought I might maybe get a couple episodes, but that was about it. And sure. I wasn't told I'm going to be recurring in multiple seasons. I wasn't told I was going to get five to six episodes a season. I, uh, you know, they liked me. I was happy. They liked me. It was another job. That's great. And I, and I clearly... I was a Daredevil fan, so I, I clearly knew what the potential was. This was the flagship, the tentpole, if you will, right? Yeah. Of of this of the Netflix Marvel TV Hell's Kitchen universe, right? Yeah. Right. So I, I I understood that intellectual, but other than that, it was a, it was a job. It was a good job, but right. it was a job. I, I, where, I, I, it, where it started to really resonate, I guess was when I got the multiple episodes in, in season one and I started seeing what was happening, not for me so much, but the amount of press and energy generated around it was pretty intense, you know? And so and so I was watching that a little bit from the outside because I'm, I'm not one of the stars of the show. And in season one, I, you know, no one knew who I was or, or and very few people, I think, even really know who I am. That said, I, it started, I started to get the fact that this isn't just a good job. This is like a great job. And also, purely artistic, the writing is awesome. I mean, Steve Denight's first season. Yeah. yeah. And, and I understand season three is also a very special season, but, but it doesn't happen without season one. Exactly. And, and season one really broke, like a lot of Netflix show, shows do for a season, right? I mean, you look at House of Cards, the first season blew everybody away. Right. Yeah. So Daredevil did the same thing. Daredevil set a whole new trend in taking the comic book universe and putting it on television in a way that honored the spirit of the comic book, but without being kitsch or cute. Right. Agreed. Nothing kitsch or cute about it. And my character, especially, and I've said this in some other interviews, I'm, I'm, I was, first of all, I was given a backstory, which for a secondary character is rare. I was given time, which for a secondary character is rare. Mm -hmm. The scenes live in these longer spaces because it's really a 10 hour, 13 hour movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you're not rushed. My scenes were never rushed. You know, that first scene I have with Ben Urich is in season one is like five pages. You know, I mean, we we just sat and talked about other stuff before we even got to the meat of the scene. Yeah. And I, and, and that's that's unique. Really? I got to say, that's a unique thing for an actor in television in New York to experience. And so I think, um, you know, that that it, it, my grasp of what the value of this, both as an artist. But also from a business standpoint, it, it was dawning on me <laughs> as it progressed, yeah. right? And uh, and clearly, season three is a very special season. I mean, I think it's it really. Um, it, I, I think it's a special show. I, I think uh, you know you're looking at a man fighting his own demons, fighting his own sense of right and wrong. It's a, it's he's got people in his life. I think it's just a, a really well crafted. I've used the word complex a number of times, but it's a well crafted complex vision. It is of 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 a particular kind of superhero who doesn't really have superpowers. Right, right. right. And my character, I don't have. The, there's not this huge suspension of disbelief. Right, you can be in that space. You can really be on the streets of New York. It's like, and not have to pretend that you believe in something you don't believe in. I'm, I'm watching like the audience does these things unfold 
but the same kind of cynicism and same kind of awe and same kind of concerns and same kind of curiosity and that that the audience sees. I mean, the, the newspaper is a great window into that space, right? Yeah, oh, it really is. Which you played a huge part in the third season, especially with the whole Karen Page storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is, I don't want to embarrass her, but she is really spectacular, man. She is kind. She, she's, she is so good. So good. Um, and conscientious and hardworking. She, she and I will spend hours on the phone pouring over a scene so that when we get into the space where we're already ahead of the game and it, and it flies when I work with her. I mean, we're friends now and, and right. she's, That's awesome. she's good people, man. She is really... And of course, for anybody who doesn't know, we're talking about Deborah Ann Wall, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Karen Page. Yep, Karen Page. Yeah. Um, she's, she's a spectacular actress and a spectacular person. So and and okay so yeah your 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 answer was was complex and it, it sparked out a number of questions for you. First, it had to be really exciting because, like you said, it, your character was not in the comic book, so it had to be exciting to have like this blank canvas. And while given a, a little bit of a backstory, you also had some room to interpret where you oh, wanted yeah. to go with, with with Ellison, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so that that and. Listen, I think that they've really expanded in season three on, on the storyline with you guys and, and, and the relationship that, that developed between you and Karen is just phenomenal. Um, I, your work on Punisher was outstanding. Uh, I, I, I'm really excited to kind of see where the whole relationship continues to go because I think that they were kind of setting up Karen's eventual trek, if anybody in comic book fans know. Um, I'm curious to see how, how Mitchell's role in that is going to be um because you've taken on a very fatherly figure with karen so right I, you know you and me both um uh there's a lot of i don't know what the conjecture is in, uh, in the twitter and reddit and instagram universe um uh i i know part of me uh as an actor who just wants to work mm -hmm. um was very happy to have one of the stars of the show working for him Right. So that right. means every scene she's in, I, I at least have the chance of being in that episode. Right. So that was so I appreciated that from that standpoint. But also what they did, I think, very smartly at the end was they, you know, it's, it's not I, I'm mad at you if you're gone. It's they have a real human relationship where you can be mad at somebody you love. Right. Right. Yeah, and seriously. so they honored that, I think, really, really well. You know, the, the scene at the uh, Kanish stand. Right. I think tells a huge story about who these two people are to yeah. each other, but also what the possibility is. And it seems to me that Ellison is going to be, I'm hoping that Ellison is smart enough to understand that Karen is a woman of integrity, like he is. Right. Right. And so, so that, that even though she's not giving me everything I want, um, practically that, that the lessons that she's learned in our connection uh, have to do with the fact that I, uh, by example, she understands what integrity is. You know, she has the same integrity that I have. Right. You know, um, that Ellison has, and and I think that that Ellison gets that from her, and that's why he doesn't push her further. He's willing to just do the the press conference. Yeah. And protect her. Yeah. And uh, so what I'm hoping is that 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 becomes I, I, my gut. And again, this is really conjecture, and I'm not basing this on anything other than the same thing you would, right? Sure. Right. But Ellison, in a way, is now Yurik. Yes. Mm -hmm. Karen's not working there anymore, and Yurik's dead. Yeah. So I'm now 
Uric-ish. Yes, mm-hmm. agreed. And and I gotta believe that that I am going to be using Karen Page as much as she's going to be using me. Yeah. For insight into what she, I know, she knows something, and I and and as opposed to to saying, well, if you're not going to give me what I want, you're well, she's no longer working for me, so she's not obligated in the same way. Mm-hmm. And you sort of want to ride the horse in the direction it's going. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll take what I can get, and I'm hope they keep, you know, me and and the bulletin as an active, again, window into this into this world. I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I even show up in Jessica Jones. There's no again, no indication in that, but but it seems to me that the newspaper is such a great way to do that. So it's wishful thinking on my part. Well, I, I hope so. I, I I do see your character being one that could could jump from all of the different series. Um, and so I would also like to say I would I would slightly disagree with you a little bit on the fact that you're not a star of the show. I think right. indeed you are taking nothing away from the main performers on the on the call sheet. I, I think they've expanded your character and you do interact in a way where you play a heavy role into what happens with Karen, therefore playing a heavy role into what happens with Foggy and Matt and everybody else in the series. Yeah. So I would argue the fact that maybe you're a bit of a bigger star of the yeah. show than, than you would like to think. Yeah. So, um, uh, not that I would like to think. I would like to think. Oh, <laughs> okay. so, uh, but, man. Um, but yeah, I love I, that scene, though. Uh, I, I, uh, well, thank you. I mean, I, you know, um, uh, it's hard when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I see what I see, and I, I feel what I feel. Yeah. So I, I'm thrilled to be any part of it, and I love the fact that they've given me um, – more to do and, and they are keeping me involved. Uh, Eric was just a terrific writer. And and look, Doug and, and Marco also, you know, in season two. Yeah. Um, they all took care of me. I, I'm not I'm not feeling not taken care of. I, I'm very, very happy. And uh, do I want to do more? Yeah, of course I want to do more. And I wanna I, I wanna do anything I can do, but I, I they write they write a good character and they, they honor they honor sort of the, the Ellison that we saw in the first in that first scene. Right. The same guy. Is and that's pretty amazing, right? You got how many episodes now? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's well, and, cool that they've maintained that with with three different writing staffs. Yeah, that's 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 pretty great. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And speaking of, I know Logan's got a question. For, speaking of moving forward, yeah. What do you what do you think about the recent cancellations of Iron Fist and Luke Cage? Do you feel like that's setting something up further, or do you feel a little worried about the Netflix shows on or the Marvel well, Netflix know, shows? Um, I don't know any more than anybody else. Right, does, and. and uh, I certainly hope that it's not boding ill for us. I, I know there were, I saw some tweets from both uh, Vincent and, um, and Charlie mm-hmm. um, discounting rumors of a possible cancellation of Daredevil. I, I don't, I don't know enough. I really don't. I don't know why or how um, the deals with, between Marvel and Netflix were set up. I believe they're all a little bit different, right? Right. Marvel was the first one. So Marvel, Netflix sort of acts, it's kind of a producer, it's kind of a a distributor. They play so many different roles with different projects. And and I I can't believe, considering that Daredevil was the first one, that that is not a very... um, I think that that the two parties are very embedded in that one, more Mm -hmm. than they... Or maybe in the others. Um, yeah, I, I can't see them canceling Daredevil. I mean, it does occur to me, and I heard rumors. Again, this is just pure conjecture. Uh, I heard rumors that um, not rumors. 
uh, hypotheses <laughs> that, in fact, perhaps, you know, because Disney's going to have its own streaming platform. Right. Yeah. So do you cancel these so that you get yourself out of your deal with Netflix so you can air them on Disney? Or are you just going to slowly let this Marvel Universe fade out and then what happens on Disney will be different? There are much bigger heads and minds involved. Am I a little concerned? Sure. I I mean, I'd be lying if if I said that canceling any show in a universe of multiple shows is... Yeah, you, you, of course you're going to consider that. Right, right. Um, then the other side of that is, are they going to integrate those characters into our shows? Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, so I, I don't I don't know. There's a lot of people involved, and I ain't one of them, <laughs> who, who are making these decisions. Yeah. I, um, I, I, the Luke Cage one, um, you know, I, I, I know Michael better than I, I know uh, Finn. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've, I've met Finn, and he's, lovely and terrific but i've known michael michael was in that law and order with me actually no right that's right um, i know michael's got other projects that he's doing too so the reason for the cans first of all we don't really know why they canceled right they they could be canceling for any number of reasons it could be business it could be artistic it could be any number of reasons so um I, i don't i don't have any of that data uh and so i can't really talk about with any in- intelligence uh, about what the intentions were or what the future will hold. Right. Does it, does it concern me a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, does it concern me a lot? Not really yet. When they, with, you know, I'm a hopeful guy. There's right. no bigger stuff going on in the world right now. Right. Exactly. Whether, whether or not they're going to, you know, we just, there's just a shooting in Pittsburgh, you know, exactly. Netflix, a show on Netflix is like, uh, right. So my head is, is not about, that and um, Eric uh, dis- discounted the rumors. I think they've already started the writers' room. Um, I don't think they would have done that without um, thinking that there's going to be another season. Um, so at, now it's going to be season after season four. Again, uh, that remains to be seen. Right. You know, the fact that those others shut down does that mean that that just focuses all the attention? on Daredevil and Jessica Jones. That's another way of looking at it, I suppose. Right. Well, here, uh, look, listen, I, hopefully, this is what I'd like. I, I'm hoping it's creative, and I hope it wasn't creative differences. I hope it's creative as in they're going to pull Luke and, and Iron Fist together and do Heroes for Hire, which I think almost all the fans want, and that they continue in that form. And I also love the idea of you continuing on, bouncing from series to series. Jessica Jones, Punisher, Daredevil. Because you're right, I think the newspaper should absolutely... I mean, you're in Hell's Kitchen. They're all in Hell's Kitchen. It would only make sense that you're there. So, Well, I, I, think, you should, I think you should start a grassroots effort and campaign. <laughs> We're pretty good at that. We so are. Yeah, I think we will. On, of getting Ellison everywhere. I will, I will do it, and we will make okay. sure. Crazy Ant will put it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Um, so okay, so we so let's talk about also a little bit about uh, your other one um, on Netflix, Maniac. Yes. What was yeah. that like with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone? Yeah, that, seriously. First of all, what an intense series. Seriously. And, I mean, Oof. Woof. That, that's <laughs> something, right? So, yeah. Um, Emma Stone is one of the nicest people on the planet. I didn't get to really work with her, but uh, we we met a couple times on set, mm-hmm. and I got a selfie with her, and she was really <laughs> really sweet. Jonah Hill, I met when we were doing um, the Coen Brothers movie. Right. Oh, nice. So, um, uh, Hail Caesar, right? Hail Caesar, yeah. right. So, um, when I saw him at the table read, yeah, I got a hug. He's he's terrific. You, uh, that, I think for both of them, 
I mean, they're also on the producing side, but for both of them, this was a lot more than anybody could have bargained for. I don't think anybody could have imagined how intense the work on this show would be. Yeah. Um, uh, Carrie and, and um, uh, 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 the writer, um, boy, I'm so old. Um, they created, talk about creating a world, they created a reality that um, it's kind of special in and of itself. Mm -hmm. It's not superhero world. It's this dystopian future that you would imagine, if you were to think of the future in 1960 without knowing what computers were going to do. So you have, you know, you have the friend proxy and you have the ad buddy, which are kind of like human apps. Mm -hmm. That already was such a remarkable environment that they created. Um, and then I got to work with Jonah, and I got to work with Gabriel Barn. Oh, yeah. You know, a, a rock star. <laughs> um, and Magnuson. I mean, everybody who I worked with, um, I, had a, I had a great time shooting that. I had a great time shooting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers. But yes, yeah. Eight. That was, I mean, I got to play Frank in episode seven and eight was really different from anything else I've ever played. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I love that guy. Yeah. He, he, cigarettes, yeah. shooting up people. I love that guy. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, 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 oh, Patrick Somerville, of course. And, and, and they also like in daredevil. I mean, you were talking about creating the character and, and given the, being given the freedom right. to, um, to do that in daredevil they they give me a fair amount of creative freedom with some with some of the words because i i already embodied the character and i was given a lot of freedom i was given a lot of freedom in maniac too you know uh we were writing i mean they were writing lines in the middle of stuff oh wow why don't you say this too why don't you why don't you do this too and so creatively i had i had a freaking blast i i loved uh, what I got to do, and and again, I'm I'm clearly not the star of that show. I got <laughs> I got my my four episodes, and and two of them were not a lot to do. Um, but but episode eight, I had a a real blast. I really and no again, no pun intended. I had a, no. <laughs> a real blast, and, and and it's a real honor to work with those guys. I mean, Patrick and Carrie are, are these are you know young, smart, cutting edge creatives. And they hired me. Yeah, you know, I, I, this 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 fifty something year old, you know, New York actor journeyman gets to play with the big boys. It's nice. Uh, well, listen, yeah. I, again, I thought you were phenomenal in the series. We all did hear it crazy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, go watch it because it's absolutely phenomenal. You're you're definitely going to want to check it out. Um. Well, yeah, boy. Okay. So beyond all of the acting, behind all of the success you've had, you're also a coach. You also teach. I do a lot of acting coaching. Yeah. Yeah. We'll sure. Talk about that for a little bit. I mean, uh, how do, is that to keep your own skills sharp? Do you find like how did you get into the acting side? I mean, the teaching how did side. I get of it? into that. Yeah, you know, that's a, a good question. I think what really happened. I was at a place when I was at the National Theater Institute. One of my teachers, um, Michael Posnick. Um, who was head of the drama department at Manhattanville College, uh, was one of my teachers. And he was heading up a program called the National Youth Theater Institute. And they were working with high school kids uh, in the same kind of intense theater program, but over the course of the summer. And I was asked to be a sort of teacher counselor. But I was giving classes 
I was teaching, I was doing monologue work with teens and I was only a little bit older than them. Right. Right. And I loved it. And, and to your point, you know, to, to hone your own skills, you're, you're, you're kind of spot on. I, that wasn't what I was doing it for, but it's what I learned it was about. Right. So I took the job because a, it was a job. B I liked Michael Posnick. Um, and it allowed me to, it was a good summer job. But what I discovered by doing it was that I, A, was pretty good at it. Right. And and that, to your point, it really did inform my own work. If you can express to somebody else your process, it actually helps you figure out what your process is. And, um, and this is even before I went to drama school. And so uh, then I did some, a little directing in college, a little directing when I was uh, at drama school. Um, and then I didn't really start coaching again until I was doing a play. I was understudying on Broadway, a play called Sideman by Warren Light. And uh, it, it was a great, great experience for me. I got to understudy three roles and three remarkable actors. But um, I would run lines and give some guidance to like the other understudies when they would have an audition. I was, I was kind of coaching them. And then uh, a friend of mine was um, married to a woman who was a manager of kids. And we started talking. She started sending me her kids from this management office. And so I, I you know, it was a way of making money, but also I did enjoy it. And I, I then ran a drama program at a, at a, at a Jewish community center in, in New Jersey. I was then the artistic director and ran the acting program for a nationwide theater experience um, or arts experience called Arts Fest for the JCC Association. And so it's something I'm good at. It's something I enjoy. Um, I I am troubled by the way acting is taught by some Mm. people. Um, There's a lot of charlatans out there. Right. Um, But I'm also a believer that anybody can do this. I, I really think... You know, it doesn't really matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your your level of ableness is. Um, it doesn't matter what what age you are, what gender you are, what gender you you identify as. Nothing matters if you have the desire and you can communicate, even not with words, and you can think, mm-hmm. and you and you have the, the the urge to to participate in the communicative experience of the universe. You can do this. And, and so I'm, I'm a bit of a universalist in that way. Yeah. And I think that um, to be able to participate in that is, is good at any level. So my coaching really takes anybody from where they start and I can move them in a direction where they're going to enjoy the experience and be able to analyze text and, and share um, better than they were able to before they started. So I have some students with no acting experience at all who can now do community theater. I have other actors. Stephen Ogg is um, one of my students. Oh, um, Walking Dead, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, Parisa Fitzhenley, who um, has a TV show and was also in the um, documentary docudrama about uh, the new prince and his wife. Uh, so I, I have actors who, who do remarkably well, and uh, I, I, I enjoy it. It's all word of mouth. I, I don't teach any classes anymore. It's just it's all word of mouth. Well, I mean, you must be pretty good because I love Stephen Ogg on The Walking Dead, so kudos. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, he's you. No, fantastic. Like my acting, I don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Listen, yeah. I, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how you just, you'd prefer to be working 
as opposed to not. And you could just tell, again, the passion that you have talking about the students and what you do. And, and, and it just really, really shows in what you do, even even just in this conversation, which I think. And I loved that quote about anybody can do this if they if they engage and they take the time and they do. I, I love that. I do want to talk a little bit about this, too, because this caught my attention. Rethink the conversation. Um uh-huh. I want to talk about that a little bit because I thought the description was interesting to say the very least. Um, a group creating unique programs that shifts the perspective around issues that have been tinged by stigma, misinformation, lack of attention, and indifference. So let's talk about that a little bit. Wow. Okay. So um, uh, one thing that I did, I'll, I'll try to take you on this journey if I may. Uh, sure. I did a commercial for, for Kleenex. I don't know if you remember this. I was the Kleenex guy. Okay. And I, was, I would sit and people would sit on a blue couch and they would talk to me. And it was the Let It Out campaign. You can look it up. My experience as a social worker probably informed that and uh, helped me get the job and certainly allowed me to um, uh, be available. But I interviewed probably about 900 people oh, over wow. the course of a, a few years. Um, and on, on topics, everything from love to things that I can't even really discuss. Uh, clearly, all of them never made it to air. But... Um, but it was, it was about two and a half, three years of this campaign. Flash forward, a friend of mine, uh, Joanne Harpel, who had uh, gone to Amherst a year below me, had, excuse me, had um, seen this commercial, you know, a few years before mm-hmm. and had remembered it. She was working for an organization called the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. This organization is the largest nonprofit organization that looks to prevent suicide and bring awareness around the issue of suicide and she had lost her brother and had left her law practice and or the law firm that she was working at and became a full-time administrator uh level director of postvention and communications uh, for this organization and had grown aspects of it significantly uh, among on the survivor side so a survivor of suicide laws that was her main focus mm-hmm. postvention so she called me up out of the blue, really. I think we had connected on Facebook and asked me if I would voice the website. So I looked at the website and there was nothing to voice. Uh, there, there was no content. It was a real nonprofit newsletter-based website. And I said, uh, you got nothing, but we could talk about content. <laughs> the next thing I know, I was sort of, I guess, uh, consulting for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And then I ended up directing some promotional videos for their walks and then I direct I fixed a program that they had done the year before then I directed that program for the year I did it I created a new program called ask the experts so I was directing and it was really fulfilling uh, and I was the right person um, because again I think the social work background gave me a level of sensitivity mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I have a creative head she left that organization and asked me to come along and work with her. And so I, I became, she had, she didn't even know what she wanted to do really. She just knew that she wanted to continue her work, but she wanted to do it on her own. So I named, I named it rethink the conversation because the idea is the nascent um, moment. I remember thinking we should become a non profit, nonprofit marketing company. We should look at new ways of promoting nonprofits, you know, that creativity doesn't need to cost more. Right. It's kind of my, my theory. But we've morphed a little bit because um, it can't really be a nonprofit marketing company. That's not <laughs> really possible to do. Um, 
we right now our focus is significantly on mental health because that's Joanne's area of expertise. She's the world's leading expert on suicide bereavement, and that's how we connected. But but our goal, our long term goal, is to look at a lot of in a way social justice issues, right? So education, art, gender equality, um, um, sexuality, um, uh, the earth. Mm. medicine to, there there are people doing remarkable things and our goal is to sort of shift the conversation on on topics where people are polarized and actually engage get people to engage in conversation yes. around yes. polarizing issues because especially right now of, of all times in our country i've never seen anything like it in my lifetime so i'm old enough to know that that it is certainly the most polarized that this country has ever been i would agree and and, and people on the left and the right are unable to sit down and be civil with each other yes. and and so to rethink the conversation in a way it's really the hashtag let's start talking is almost as important because the idea is that we we want to draw attention or raise awareness, or begin um, an active, or take an active role in getting people to engage in conversation around around these topics, whether it's mental health, uh, again, education, uh, sexuality, um, medicine, uh, you know, pick a topic. Right. Um, and so it's it's hard because there's only two of us right now. We're it's starting to grow finally. Uh, we built the website. We've done um, a couple of programs. We're getting involved with Let's Reimagine, mm-hmm. which is an end of uh, which looks at end of life. Uh, Joanna is running a program for people who've lost loved ones to suicide as part of this end of life event that's happening in New York. Uh, with, with it's Reimagine NYC. You can look that up. Okay. Um, and and so, what's the uh, what's the website for the for the? Uh, the com- RethinkTheConversation.org. Okay. I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else on the planet, although I try to all the time. But um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, I, I find I'm compelled to um, to say something when when something needs to be said, and to and to participate uh, in ways that there's a Jewish expression called tikkun olam, right? Just healing the world. And my parents, I guess I got it from my parents. But it's important to me to be an active participant as much as I can in in the world and. Uh, we think the conversation gives me a place to, to do that. Um, absolutely. absolutely. And, uh, well, listen, uh, I commend you and much respect. Yeah, All seriously. of us here have much respect. Um, I, I think the word that, that, that sticks out the most, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, is engagement. Uh, we recently spoke to Spencer Garrett also and had a good conversation about engagement. I think that's the problem nowadays is that not enough people are talking, not enough people are engaged in the conversation and if they would be, they would realize we have a lot more in common than we do apart, and we could really start to make some movement there. So can, I, I really applaud you for the work that you're doing. Um, I think it's important. I, th- I think uh, there's such a stigma on mental health right now in this country and, and so many of the other topics you brought up. So um, I can't express enough how much respect we have for you. And oh, thank you. best of luck and success with that, honestly. Thanks. I mean, if you go to my Facebook page, um, my personal Facebook page, um, there's a little fundraiser. So if, if people are interested and they want to go to Jeffrey Paul Cantor on Facebook, okay. um, you can you can donate to Rethink the Conversation for my birthday, which is tomorrow. Oh. So by the time you're hearing this, my birthday was October 30th. 
That is fantastic. So, well, happy birthday. I, yeah, be the seriously. First to tell you happy birthday. You, you, you officially are the second. My daughter oh. was the first. Oh, oh uh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll fall. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, so what's coming up? What do you got in the future? Where, where can people find you coming up next? So um, I'm doing, I'm in the middle of a, the last week of a play called My Parsifal Conductor. Okay. Which is um, looking at Wagner, Richard Wagner. And his wife, Cosima, at the end of her life and their relationship with the Jewish conductor, Hermann Levy. And the Wagners were known to be virulent anti-Semites. And um, to be doing this play right now is, is the irony is not lost on me at all. Um, but I play this Jewish man who is working with these two anti-Semitic, mm. uh, one anti-Semitic artist and his wife. And, um, and how that played out, talk about civility and, and trying to figure stuff out being on the receiving end um so that we close on saturday okay uh i'm going to be working with uh the 52nd street project which uh takes arts to kids in public schools in new york specifically the hell's kitchen area 52nd street awesome so i actually start that tomorrow um it's my first meeting with them um i'm, I'm uh working on a, a couple of other projects uh one about sensitivity in the workplace um <laughs> Uh, Good topic. Because uh, that, that's an important thing now, too. And, it is. and then hopefully Dead Double will start up in the not-too-distant future. Awesome. Uh, there's one other creative project that I can't talk about um, that uh, I'm waiting to hear about when we're going to start work on that. Awesome. Um, well, that, that sounds like an opening to have you back on, Jeffrey. Yes. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly keep you posted. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, – I've, I've been I've been fortunate, knock on wood. I've been I've been a pretty busy actor, which is uh, you know makes me extremely happy. Well, and, and listen, much continued success. Like, like I said, Thank we're you. big fans, and we could not be more happy that you came on to talk to us today. Uh, it's an honor. Thank you very much. Uh, no, our honor completely. And open invite, man. Now, seriously, whenever you can come back and talk about the other project, or if you want to come in and talk about the the work that you're doing in the communities, in the schools yeah, and stuff. Anything, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, man. Anytime that anything we can do to help, but. You know, push along anything you want to talk about and get the word out there and get some engagement oh, going. Open invite, man. Thank you very much. So I, I guess I'm supposed to plug right my so I'm I'm Mr. G Cantor on Instagram. There you, there you go. go. I'm Jeff Cantor on Twitter. And I'm going to be Jeff with a G, G E O F Cantor yeah. on Twitter. Um, I spell my name with a G. Okay. And at some point uh, I might. Uh, I'll call you guys and let you know. I'm going to be doing a Reddit AMA. Awesome. There you go. Um, I think uh, if not next week, the week after. Awesome. Before thanks. Before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Just let us know. Seriously. I will. I will. You'll be the. You'll be some of the first people I call. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, listen, man. Have a great rest of the day. Like Thank I said, you we too. appreciate Thanks for you. Having me on. I, I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, no, we, no. You were informative, and and our, our listeners, I can tell you right now, we're extremely excited when we announced that you were going to be on yeah, the show. So seriously. they're looking forward to it. So we're really excited, man. Well, thank you very much for having me on, and uh, I promise to get back in touch as other things progress. All right, awesome. sounds good, man. We'll talk to you later. Take care. All right, you yeah. too. Bye bye. Bye bye.